Thank you, Jeanette. Get everything out. Well, good morning. Um, it's not the fifth Sunday, but I am preaching. Uh, Bill and Bonnie and uh, Jamie and Ryan and Amanda and all the kids, they were in Florida this week at Disney. Um, I imagine slightly warmer there than it was here. I, I imagine they had a good time, uh, some deserved time off to, to enjoy family. Um, but I'm going to be preaching a sermon today that's going to go along with one I'm preaching uh, in two weeks, uh, kind of a before and after look at the life of Peter. Uh, and it really does kind of stick with our reboot series because Peter's life is a series uh, of reboots. There, there are stops and starts and he has to, you know, reboot again. No, that didn't fix the problem. No, there's still a few bugs in the system, right? We got to we got to get going again. So uh, hopefully today uh, I can do a good enough job to convince you to come back in two weeks and listen to the second part. Um, so we're, you know, talking about before and after a little bit. Uh, we can probably all picture some particular images in our heads. Um, I'm sure that you could go back and find a picture of me uh, before starting in youth ministry 10 years ago and compare it to now and there'd be a lot less gray hair. Um, be a lot of... Uh, lot younger uh, looking Andy. Um, you know, of course, we had no children of our own back then either, so that's definitely a contributing factor. Um, but uh, there are some other before and after photos that I found that uh, be popping up here. This, this one on the left, it's a, you know, a car before and after. It's been restored by, by someone with incredible talent. Uh, that building on the other side is before and after uh, the effects of a hurricane. Uh, we've got the next one here, uh, a cat before and after it was dried after its bath. That one's just fantastic. Uh, the, the pie, the, the top is before baking, uh, the bottom is after. Sorry if I'm making your mouth water. Uh, and, and then finally, there is my favorite one of all. I think it's the next one. No, is there not one more? Oh, man. I must have forgot that slide. There, there's this picture of this girl. Uh, it's first day of school. It's like kindergarten. She's all dressed up and looking nice. And, you know, she's in her little jumper and hair's all done and bows and everything. And the after picture, it's like one side's untucked and, you know, one of the pigtails is out. And she just looks like she's been through it. Um, I can't believe I forgot to put that one in there. Um, man, that's the best one. I'll, I'll post it later on the New Hope family page. It's a good one. Uh, but... There, there are certain events, there are certain things that they cause these big changes uh, in our life. Uh, and Peter, his life, is, is an example of all these things. There, there are these specific moments in his life that they shaped him uh, immensely. And thankfully, uh, there's a whole lot of lessons that we can learn um, from those events in, in Peter's life. And we're going to start with his call uh, to be a disciple of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, let's read 18 through 20 there. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So Peter... And Andrew, they were fishermen. James and John were fishermen. There, there were a few of Jesus' disciples that you know, were the, these rough-and-tumble kind of guys. Uh, it, was, it was an important uh, profession there, uh, you know, providing a lot of food uh, for, for their family, their friends, everybody. Uh, but it wasn't exactly glamorous. 
it, it wasn't exactly the kind of profession that, you know, uh, people aspired to. Um, it's one of those that, you know, you may not have tons of skills. Let's, let's try being a fisherman, right? This is maybe a little bit easier to teach you than, than carpentry or some of the other uh, options that they had. Um, and it probably smelled bad, right? Hygiene, a little bit different in those days, and they're around fish all day. And it's in the hot sun, in the Middle East. Okay, these guys didn't smell good. Um, probably some pretty rough characters uh, around there. Uh, it, it wasn't, uh, being a fisherman there was not for the faint of heart. Uh, you had to have uh, so, some courage, some, uh, you know, fortitude to you there. Because, you know, Bill's preached before on the Sea of Galilee, those storms, uh, just the way everything's situated there can just pop up out of nowhere. And they are uh, rough as can be, uh, right? And, and so, not the kind of thing that you tell your kid, you should want to grow up and be just like that Peter and, and well, Simon and Andrew. Um, you know, at, at one point, James and John, they're also fishermen, and they got so mad that, that people weren't accepting Jesus that they wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy them. And, and I think, to me, the most surprising thing about that piece of scripture is it wasn't Peter telling Jesus, let's call down fire from heaven. Uh, because Peter, Peter makes me feel a little bit better about myself sometimes. Like, okay, if someone who walked with Jesus could do these things, you know, I'm all right. Peter, highs and lows, like the wild swings one direction to the other, um, right? But I, I think maybe some of that fearlessness from being a fisherman uh, made him a great disciple, right? He wasn't afraid to do the things uh, that Jesus needed him to do. Uh, but Jesus encountering Peter and calling him to something greater is that first before and after moment that really shapes his life. Before, he's just your average everyday fisherman. There's, there's nothing special about him. He and his family have this business. They do their thing. They go on, whatever, right? Nothing particularly unique or distinguishing about him. But after Jesus calls Peter to be the, his disciple, he, he's on a path to becoming one of the most influential people in the history of the church and, and therefore the world. Peter has this incredible impact uh, on the church through the way that Jesus changed his life. And so this is, this is a reboot in Peter's life before he was a fisherman, after he was a disciple. And there's two things to learn. And the first is Jesus calls unexpected people to do great things for the kingdom. All right, because if you lined up a cross-section of Jewish culture in first century Israel, you're probably not going to pick out the fishermen to be the ones that, that made the biggest change, right? They're, they're probably not going to be uh, the guys that you think, yes, those guys right there are going to make the biggest impact for God's kingdom. You're going to pick the teachers of the law. You're going to pick the Pharisees, the guys that everybody looked at and thought, they know what they're talking about. They've got it all together. But Peter and Andrew, James and John are among the four closest to Jesus and Peter, James, and John. In fact, the three closest to Jesus, right? Um, 
if you're a believer in Christ, it doesn't matter what perceived position you have in this world, you can make an incredible impact for the kingdom. You can do something incredible because God uses unexpected people to do great things. Right? The, the person that had the most significant impact on me coming, becoming a Christian was a, a bank executive. Right? He, I don't remember exactly, you know, he, he's had all kinds of different titles, uh, right? But on Thursday nights in his house, in, in his basement, he lit a Bible study for his daughters and their friends. And I got invited to that Bible study. I learned about Jesus. They took me to church. They showed me what the love of Christ looked like, and it changed my life. And, and I like to think that maybe I've had uh, an impact on some students like that through my time in ministry, but it all goes back to this banker who said, I want to do something. I want to share the love of God with my daughters and their friends. It's, it's changed lives, not, not just my own. And, and that's no offense to uh, my youth pastor, no offense to uh, my campus ministers. They, they had a great impact on me as well. You know, they've all shaped me, but that starting point for me was that Bible study in my friend's basement, right? I'm willing to bet that more people in this room were taught about Christ by a friend or a parent or a Sunday school teacher than learned it just from hearing a sermon from the pulpit. We, we have more impact on our, our children, our grandchildren, our, our friends, our co-workers by sharing the love of God through our everyday life than anyone Maybe not anyone, but, but then most people have by preaching any single sermon, right? And sure, you know, we can look at the lives of, of those who, who preach for a living and we can see uh, certainly people have come to know Christ through them and we're, you know, very grateful for that. But that personal touch, in my opinion, tends to make more of the difference. Right? You don't have to be a preacher to share the love of God and, and thank God for that. Because the gospel isn't just powerful, but it's personal. So even if you don't see yourself as someone important, remember that God can and will use you if you're willing to follow where he leads, just like Peter did. If you're willing to say, I'm, I'm going to set aside what I'm doing and, and I'm going to follow you. Peter and Andrew, there, no hesitation there. Verse 20 says, at once they left their nets and followed him. And the second thing we, we learned from that passage is when we're called, we need to take action. Right? We, we, Jesus didn't say, uh, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they're like, that's fine. Just one last cast, right? Just let us, let us get everything in order. Let me, let me think about it a little bit. They went and took action. Now, Maybe we can't always jump immediately into the action. Maybe there's some consideration of, okay, God, I know you want me to do this. Let me figure out how. Let me go, you know, consult with some, some people that know these kind of things. Let me, let me figure out a game plan. But at some point, we have to take action. We can't just sit and wait for the perfect opportunity to come along. Sometimes we have to make that opportunity happen. Where Jesus leads, we need to follow. Now we're, we're not always going to get it right. Sometimes we're, we're going to stumble over our own two feet and, and we're going to 
you know, get out ahead of ourselves and we might look a little foolish like Peter did sometimes. But I think even those things that, that Peter did where, where he stumbled and he messed up, it was because he wanted so desperately to do what is right. He wanted to take action and do what Jesus wanted him to do. He just got a little twisted sometimes, right? And, there, and there's going to be highs and lows in our lives just like Peter's. And sometimes he'd make brilliant statements like you find in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 15 through 19, where uh, Jesus asked, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock of his confession, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter nails it, right? They're, they're talking, who do you, you know, who do they think I am? Who do the people say that I am? Well, some people say this, and some people that, and... Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter just, boom, right on the money. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Um, and he knew this. This has been revealed to him by God, right? But having that knowledge and using it are two very different things, right? I know that if I want to lose weight, I need to eat less junk food and I need to exercise, you know what I really don't want to do? Stop eating junk food and exercise. <laughs> That's more enjoyable, right? I don't want to run. I don't want to get up in the morning when it's cold and go walk a couple miles or whatever it is that I need to do. So having the knowledge is great. Using it is an entirely different thing. We know the right answer, but maybe sometimes we keep it to ourselves, or we know the right thing to do, but we just don't do it. Peter didn't just know that Jesus was the Messiah. He acted on it. He lived like it. He did everything he could uh, to follow him. He spoke up about it when given the chance, most of the time. Um, that's Peter, right? Ups and downs. Um, but, but Jesus gives him this opportunity to share this thing. And this is, this is a huge deal for these, these Jewish men, right? To declare that you are the Messiah. What, what if he was wrong? If Peter had been wrong about that, the way those other guys would have looked at him was just like, what are you talking about? You fool. The, the Jewish people had been waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years. This was not just a thing you throw around, yes, you are the Messiah. This is not a casual anything, right? We, we call people, oh, you're the, you're the greatest at this, you're the, you're the best at that. And sometimes, you know, we get a little casualness, oh, this is, the, this is the best cookie I've ever had. Well, is it? Well, I don't know, maybe, but... That's the kind of thing that you could throw around. It doesn't really matter, right? But these were high stakes. This is a big deal to these Jewish people. And, you know, you, you pick a prophet and you can find a, a passage or two or a dozen that point to Jesus, right? Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Michael and Micah and Hosea. 
every one of them, you can find points over and over in the Old Testament scriptures that point to the Messiah. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and the word points to Jesus conquering Satan. This is not a casual comment to throw around when Peter says that Jesus is the Messiah. It's a big deal. And, And Jesus applauds him accordingly. He says, yes, Peter, you are right. And this is how I'm going to build my church. And this is what you're going to be able to do. But what happens two verses later? In verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter, old take action Peter, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter has the enthusiasm, but he's missing the mark. And I don't know, days, weeks, months, whatever, it doesn't really specify uh, the, the time gap here, but it's, it's just, he goes from, he recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah, he makes this proclamation that we repeat as a church, you know, a couple thousand years later, and then he says, no, Jesus, you can't die, and Jesus just, what? It's like, Peter, who's in charge here? Who's the one that knows everything? And it's just, it's like, I love my kids. They're incredible. And, and, and sometimes, you know, they'll be talking about something and I'll, ha- I'll, I'll correct them. And say, well, you know, really, it says it. And uh uh, no way, Dad. I say, Guys, I, I know a little bit more than you. They're not even teenagers yet and they already know more than me. I'm in trouble, guys. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you. You know, you think as the parent that you're in charge. And they say, oh, no, no, no. Dad, we got to do this. I thought I was, I know mom's not home, so I thought I got to be the boss now. But Kennedy's three and she has other plans. So I bet you know how that works out most of the time. Right? And Jesus and Peter is the same way. And Jesus is the one with the plan. Jesus is the one that knows what's going on. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. Peter, let's, let's reboot again. You got you to gotta start over. You didn't get all the bugs out with that last reboot. You got to remember, hey, Jesus is in charge. And, and that section of Matthew chapter 16 can teach us a couple more important things. And the first is we need to trust the things that God tells us and not be afraid to share it, right? The, the boldness that Peter had to declare Christ as the Messiah was fantastic. Um, we should be so willing uh, to do so in our everyday lives. I follow Jesus because he's the Savior of the world. I follow Jesus because he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the, the I Am that, w- that was before all creation. All those different things. Right? Uh, God is not going to usually, in, in my experience, reveal things to us the same way that he did to Peter. Right. Um, 
we, we don't have any record of Jesus tells Peter behind the scenes, hey, Peter, when I ask this question, this is what you need to say. Or, you know, God giving that idea to Peter in a dream or anything like that. Um, uh, but God, in some way, shape, or form, spoke to Peter, made it clear that Jesus was the Messiah. And, you know, Jesus says that in verse 17. It was revealed to him uh, by God. And God's probably not going to speak to us like that because he's given us his written word. This is, the, the Bible is the revelation of God to his people. It is the, the inspired word of God. Second Timothy uh, tells us uh, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness um, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? The word of God is how we know the will of God. It is how we know what God wants us to share. If you want to hear from God, open up the word and get to studying. Right? I'm not ruling out the possibility that God could do something miraculous and reveal something to you in a different way. Uh, absolutely a possibility. He's God. He does what he wants when he wants. Um, and, and, you know, personally, the, the first kind of inkling of an idea that I had that ministry was where God wanted me to be came from the mouths of some other believers who, who knew me well, who knew God well, and, and I feel like had that same kind of urging to share with me, kind of like Peter had to give his answer about the Messiah, right? Um, it wasn't just something I read in the scriptures that led me to ministry, but... I do believe that those believers who, who poured into me were also looking at the scriptures and they were seeing things in my life that, that matched up with what the word was saying and, and that inspired them to share that with me. So God can reveal things in, in many ways, obviously, but usually it's going to come through his word. Uh, it's, it's going to be spelled out in scripture. Uh, and, and the second thing that passage teaches us is don't think you won't make mistakes just because you figured out the most important things. And I know that most of us in this room have that figured out. You know perfectly well that, that you are far from infallible, right? There, there's ups and downs. There's, there's mistakes and repentance and confession and, and all that, right? Um, February 1st, all have been in full-time ministry for 10 years. Um, just a couple of days ago, was the 10-year anniversary of me accepting my first full-time ministry position, uh, right? When I first started in ministry, I didn't have the foggiest idea what I was doing. <laughs> I, was, I was winging it. Um, you know, I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary, so I didn't have any formal training. I had I'd gone to youth group. I was involved in, in, in church and everything, and I was, you know throwing ideas off the wall and kind of seeing what sticks, right? But by the grace of God, here I am 10 years later, and uh, I have a little bit more knowledge of what I'm doing. You know, I, I've been a Christian for almost 19 years, and I've gotten plenty wrong uh, in that time. A lot, of, a lot of struggles, a lot of mistakes, a lot of uh, times when, when, you know, I've had to confess things, and I've had to repent, and I've had to change my life. I've had to reboot, say, oh, this isn't working. Let's start again. Let's fix it, right? 
I figured out the most important thing when I was almost 16 years old, and that's I need Jesus. I can't go on living without him. But that didn't mean I had it all figured out. I might have thought so at 16, but I was wrong. Uh, we can keep looking through Peter's life in the Gospels, and, and there's lots more ups and downs. You know, he doesn't want his feet washed by Jesus. No, 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 you can't do that, Jesus. And again, it's like, Peter, who's in charge? Right? And Jesus calmly explains, no, this is necessary. This is what I'm going to do. And Peter says, oh, okay, well, wash everything. Do it all, right? He's all in again. He sticks with Jesus against opposition. He, he, he takes out his sword and cuts off the servant's ear when they come to arrest Jesus and Jesus again. Peter, it's not what I want. It's just roller coaster faith, right? There's, there's loops and ups and downs and twists and turns, and it just looks like, what are you doing? Followed by, yes, Peter, that's fantastic. That's exactly what you need to know. He, he's following Jesus as he goes from place to place, leading to his crucifixion. But then he says, no, I, I don't know him. Oh, Peter, again and again, right? But then Jesus dies. And, and what we start to see, uh, we'll, we'll kind of take a peek at it this week and then look at it more in two weeks, is this is the final reboot for Peter. It's been up and down and back and forth, but Jesus' death leads him to a point where there's no more doubt. There is no more question, what is Peter's purpose? What is he doing? No more reboots, just wholehearted commitment. You know, when, when Jesus comes to Peter um, on the beach and Peter swims to him and, you know, he says, feed my sheep three different times, kind of restores Peter we, we see a different person from that point forward. But we're going we're gonna to wrap up today, and we're going to remember uh, four lessons from Peter. There's plenty more in his life. His life is a good case study of, you know, what to do and what not to do uh, at different times. First, God calls unexpected people to do great things. He'll use anybody for the kingdom that is willing and faithful. Uh, I've seen that over and over uh, in my life. And I hope that that will inspire you personally to do great things for the kingdom of God uh, and also to, to reach out to those unexpected people because you never know how God might use them, right? Reach out to the fishermen, whatever they look like. Share the gospel with them. Call them to something greater. Say, hey, God has a plan for you that is better than this life you are living. God can do amazing things through you. And they might look at you like, Really? But yeah, it's the truth. We've seen it over and over. We see it with Peter, uh, right? Second, when God calls, we need to answer and we need to take action, right? Peter had plenty of faults, but you can never say that he was afraid to act. Uh, once he got an idea in his head, he went out and he did something about it. Now, sometimes he needed to slow down and reboot and start things over. Nope, that was the wrong idea, Peter. Try again. But he always took action. Peter didn't just sit idly by and watch and just let things happen. Peter made things happen. Uh, we could use some more people with that willingness um, in the kingdom of God. Right? And third, trust what God tells you and don't be afraid to share it. This, of course, requires that we are seeking out 
God's wisdom, whether from his word, uh, from preachers, from other believers, whatever it is. But when we seek those out and God shows us something, we can't keep it to ourselves. We can't just say, yes, I know this. This is great. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to take action on this step uh, right here today. Um, so I have uh, some papers out in the Welcome Center. I have them in the Sunday school classes that uh, I want to give you guys the chance to uh, share your wisdom uh, with our students especially, but, you know, who knows, maybe we can share it with anybody. Um, but I, I've made kind of this, this template to create kind of a New Hope devotional. Uh, it's just a few questions that you answer about, like a favorite Bible passage and, you know, what, what has it taught you? Uh, just a couple different questions that you can answer that I want to take them and, and put them together and put it in the hands of our students to not only learn more about God's word, but learn more about this church and, and the people uh, that make up this family here uh, to kind of, you know, connect them to uh, the rest of us and, and not just first service, but second service as well. Um, there's nothing more important that anybody can do, well, first of all, than accept Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. But second of all, to, to read their word and to get to know him, right? Uh, and, and so I want to give you the chance to do that. Uh, you can fill out a paper form. You can type it up and send it to me in email. And I printed a hundred and some out of these. And when I got done, I realized I put my email address on there. And I pick them up off the printer, and I realize there's a typo. Uh, the email address is not newhopgps.org. It is newhopegps.org. So don't type in the email address that is on the paper. It won't get anywhere, or at least it won't get to me. Type in andy at newhopegps.org. Uh, um, but trust what God tells you. Don't be afraid to share it. I, I would really love to get as many of you as possible to participate in that so our students uh, can have this to get closer to God. Um, you guys have something to offer that would benefit them greatly. Um, so fourth, you know, the, these things are important because uh, of our fourth lesson from Peter's life. Don't assume you have it all together and, and won't make mistakes, right? There are ups and downs. We don't, we don't have the luxury of not having to work to grow in our faith. Uh, when we get complacent, we put ourselves in, in a dangerous position. I describe it to our students as like you're canoeing upstream right the christian life is like canoeing upstream if you stop you're headed back where you came from and where you came from without jesus isn't anywhere good right uh, we have to continue to work we have to continue to fight through those ups and downs we got to reboot uh, when we need to um, there's no shame in that right bill preached two weeks ago yeah i was in the back class two weeks ago there's new mercies every morning Right? We get the chance to start over each and every day. As long as there's breath in our lungs and Jesus hasn't come back yet, we and everybody else have the opportunity to turn to Jesus and get that reboot for, for whatever reason we need it. Right? It could be big, it could be small, it could be a major life change that needs to happen or just one small adjustment, but the opportunity is there each and every day, and, and we thank God for that. We're going to sing uh, one last song here. Um, but if there's a decision you need to make, there's no better time than right now. Uh, God has done incredible things 
and we need to thank him for it. And I pray that, uh, you know, as we'll sing in the song, that our souls will long for God.